Blog Talk Radio. It's Sean here. All right. Well, this isn't going to be the most technically sophisticated of all the Vox Populi radio shows, but hello, hello. I'm Sean Aston, and I'm your host, and we are back. It's been a long time. It's been about 14 or 15 months since I've posted anything. I think I did a, a blog post or a, a web post uh, about in November or something, and then uh, we have, I think the first time I did one of these was in 2014, so while there's only seven or so episodes, we have a long tradition here. I'm so glad to be back on the air. First of all, if anyone, you're welcome to chat with me by way of the live chat. I've just sent out a, a little message. If anybody can send me a message and let me know that we are, in fact, hearing Sean. Otherwise, I'm quite silly in this little room. Uh, okay, so... Let's go to a live caller. That way I'll know for sure we're there. Well, let me – I just want to say – I just want to say before I start with, with calls, um, I'm so ready to be back talking about this stuff because I feel a lot calmer and a lot clearer about the environment that we're living in. Uh, the Trump era has been going now for two years. I'm used to the rhythms and patterns of uh, the president's – uh, kind of way of being, and uh, we finally have um, the Mueller report has been delivered. So even though that comes with a whole host of its own curiosities and and uh, learning curve and understanding, I at least feel like there is a game board, uh, and we're we're all we can all play we can all play by the same rules now. It's felt for so long like we're just kind of out in the wilderness, but now I feel pretty good about it. So I think I can be pretty calm. I think I can help guide some of our um, some of our conversation away from uh, the hysterical and the absurd, and, and see if we can carve out another space of uh, real communication that we used to used to have going all the time. The topic is impeachment. That's what I want to talk about. Um, yesterday, I think all three uh, all three uh, chairpersons of the relevant committees in the House, uh, Cummings. Uh, Nadler and Schiff all indicated that uh, the way they read the Mueller uh, 
evidence that it supports um, well two of them said it was it conclusive that the president had uh, conducted behavior and uh, and and Nadler was the most specific about wanting to see wanted to finish up the uh, the investigation the house their their committee investigation so anyhow I have a caller holding which makes me very excited uh, anyone else please call in if you'd like the guest call-in number which I which I uh, I tweeted and put on the Facebook, Vox Populi Facebook, and is also available uh, if you're looking at it on your uh, on your phone or you know something like that is nine two nine four seven seven four one zero two. Let's just go straight away and see what I can accomplish here. Um, caller, you are on the Blog Talk Radio air. Can you hear me now? Well, I think I've done the right thing. This call, call you've been waiting for a while. Let me see if I can. No. Oh, that little thing mutes it there. Oh, hello. Now I've got you on hold, which I don't intend to do. Let's put you back on speaker there. I apologize, everybody, for the little delay here. Uh, caller, are you there? Okay, I'm going to dump that one. I hope you call back if uh, if you can. Anyhow, so here's what I think. Uh, you know, let me just look at um, let me look and see if I am in fact live. Um, I think we are. Wish I had some good music to play for you right now, but I actually want to look at my note my uh, box populi. Hello, everybody. Are we going live? Hello, hello, hello. No. All right. Okay. So I can be heard. Um, so here's what I think. The House of Representatives will have no choice but to begin impeachment proceedings. Not it's the least of a series of bad options for the Democrats. But as a matter of law, I don't even think it's a principle. You know, um, they talk about the principle of, you know, conducting oversight so that, you know, some people aren't above the law. The president isn't above the law. I actually think that when they take an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, they have to follow the Constitution. And the constitutional mandates oversight. And now it has been put out there in the Mueller report that there are, I mean, some say five, some say seven, some say ten, but at the very least, five clear examples of uh, incidents of obstruction of justice. And let's talk about what that means a little bit, because when I watch it on the news, uh, you know, and I'm just part of the reason I want to come back on the air right now and talk about this stuff is because uh, the news always veers this way and that way, and it gets political or it gets uh, the analysis gets kind of wonky in a way, and it just keeps wandering away from what to my mind is the common sense logical curiosity about it. 
And what I will say is that, you know, when I tweet something out, I'm, you know, I'm often wrong. I, I, I don't claim to be the arbiter of all things right and wrong. So, um, you know, I watched a lot of Fox News this weekend, um, which was interesting and, uh, and I, it would help me prepare for this. Um, but I also, but I also learn a lot when people make comments, not from the ridiculous stuff, which, uh, the inflammatory, bombastic, insulting, vulgar, hateful, uh, Russian bot troll farm crap that comes out there. Uh, and oftentimes from, from people who, if you were to meet them in a PTA meeting would be just perfectly nice people, but somehow they get on Facebook and they think they can post the most rancid crap and get away with it. Um, anyhow, I have a caller. Let me go. Let me go to the caller, and we'll facilitate this uh, impeachment conversation. We'll we'll try and follow the thread to uh, I don't know some logical conclusions. All right, I'm hoping you're there, caller. Can you hear me? I think so. Am I the caller? You are the caller. Who is this? Hey, Sean. It's Ariel. I uh, I talk to you on Twitter sometimes. We met at a con a few years ago. How you doing, Ariel? You know, I'm I'm sad. <laughs> um, I'm sad I about this whole. I understand. The whole thing, because honestly, every time I turn on the TV, it's everywhere. About well, first of all, we we used to say it Mueller, and now it's Mueller, and I don't really care because it's everywhere. And the fact of the matter is that if. If another country was getting involved in our election process, it took us two years to care enough to look into it. So I really think that all of the coverage is just covering up something else. All right. So it didn't take us two years to look into it. While Obama was still president, he ejected a whole handful of Russian agents that were involved in uh, the operation to, you know, kind of meddle in our, our election. So, Really, what we're talking about is uh, a sweeping investigative report that can let us know in great detail all the layers and levels of what they did. But it's not like the government is doing nothing. So, so that's one thing. I, the other thing I would say is, you know, I hear more and more about people just being sick of it and over it. But I think what we're sick of is the way people talk about it. Because if we actually – drill down into the the legal mechanics of what's happening it's actually mm-hmm. a lot more tolerable than than we might think um you know no, i it's i super, love it's super important and we're still we're still not i don't know even i mean i i love my country i'm i'm very you know steve rogers about a lot of stuff and it's just it's irritating that the idea existed, and yet still we're going to allow this person to be president for two years. It's just, it's hard, and, and I want to know more about it, and I want to, I want, you know, the truth to be known, but we just get this big report with all the blackout parts. I haven't even tried to read it, because I know if I do, it's not going to be an accurate reflection right, of what well, actually happened. I thought happened. you'd be by 100 pages. I read 100 pages of it. Okay, I know it's 400 pages long, and I, and I must say during the sections that were redacted, I didn't try and play super sleuth to figure out what it was that might have been redacted. But, but I, kept, I kept on keeping on with it. And, you know, Rudy Giuliani was being interviewed by Jake Tapper on CNN yesterday, and uh, it was an absolutely fascinating interview. And he, he was actually much 
much calmer and more reasoned than than you know he has been since nine eleven, and he and he was making a lot of sense, and then he just wrote it off the rails and got and got crazy again. But but you know we we can actually you know he, what he was saying was the report was hideously biased. That's what he was saying. And, you know, the the president keeps saying, you know, the 12 angry Democrats or whatever who were uh, yeah, a part yeah. of it and oh, it was illeg- illegally uh, started because of, a, of a, a criminally corrupt FISA research. But you know what? I think all that is worth unpacking. But when I read it, it seemed to me that the point of view of the prosecutor was that this person was doing the wrong thing. And they were working very hard to try and, and it often, in many cases, could not prove that what their instinct was, was there. But they couldn't, they, they weren't going to, so it was, it clearly is biased. But I think any prosecutorial document is biased. Their job isn't to equip people, it's to have a hunch and try and track it down and build a case. And if they can't mm-hmm. build a case, they don't go forward. So, but what was there is... A, a host of really um, specific, obvious attempts by the president to stop the truth from getting out. Now, he can have a lot of reasons for wanting the truth to not uh, get out. You know, and some might be, you know, might be valid, some might be invalid, but it's not his call. And right. when you try to obstruct justice, even if you don't succeed in the way you meant to, you have no idea what the ripple effects of your behavior are. One of the biggest ones that we don't talk about enough, that I don't see them talking about enough, is dangling pardons. You know, he, he kept putting out there at certain moments with Cohen and with Manafort and other people the, like, very clear message of hang in there, I've got your back. And that, that mm-hmm. kind of pardon dangling is an obstruction of justice. It's going to get someone to not fully disclose what they know because they're hoping to keep the option of a, of a, of a pardon alive. So that's, that's one of, one of the ones that really jumps out at me, but I have another call. Do you have a last thought Ariel before we jump off? I, I appreciate the frustration you're feeling, but hopefully we can have a conversation that, that sort of like calms things down and gets a little more deliberate and admits what we know and what we don't know and feels good about what's right. And, you know, endure what's wrong even though we wish it wasn't you know let's let's be reasonable about it i think if if that was the mentality of everyone i think we it would be a much we'd be able to go through what is you know a years-long process with without wanting to you know just strangle ourselves i i totally agree it's it's about coming together to solve an issue and i think that that's that that's really where all politicians are failing right now because they, they want to make it the Democrats versus the Republicans, as you said, the 12 angry, angry Democrats. Um, it, it's just important to come together and get the truth and face a problem as a nation instead of face a party as a party. Thanks, Sean. I think that's, I think that's, uh, I think that's right. So, so we're about that business. Ariel, thank you so much for your call. Have a good one. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye for now. All right, let's see if I can do this. This is my first time to try and switch the – hold on. New caller, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? 
Not quite sure what's going to happen here. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see if I'm doing this right. New caller, can you hear me? Is anyone out there? This is Lawrence, Kansas. You guys remember that show? Oh, my gosh. If I hang this up right now, it's going to end up deleting. I'm, it's going to hang me up. I don't want to do that. Okay. Um, I'm going to hang that call up. Hello, can you hear me? Try one more time. I really appreciated Ariel's call. I think she was speaking for everyone when she was talking about her frustration. Hello, can you hear me? That's quite strange. Hello, can you hear me now? I'm going to go ahead and disconnect that call because that doesn't seem to be working. Um, try again. If at first we don't succeed. So when the Mueller, the Mueller, the Mueller report came in and everyone went into agreement that no collusion had been proved because collusion is not an actual legal uh, term. It's not a it's not a charge that can be made. It's not an offense. Conspiracy, criminal conspiracy is. I sort of sank down and thought, well, I mean, hey, if I'm a man of my word and I said, you know, let's wait to see what this guy's uh, this this independent investigation is going to hold up and the investigation comes back. Uh, then that should be that. Then I should go and you know deal with my uh, my partisan uh, frustrations in a in a in a way that's based in policy and based in wanting to hold the administration accountable for things I think it's not doing right and just all the kind of normal uh, the normal things. But then I, I kept going back to I want I want to go back to the one what I think is the smoking gun. And just sort of unpack a little bit of what, what I've read and what I've seen covered. When Trump, I don't know the exact date, I don't have, I'm doing this by myself, so I don't have all the stuff in front of me, but when he stood up and said, Russia, if you can hear me, uh, I hope you can find those, what, 20,000 emails of Hillary Clinton's. Um, I think you'll be uh, rewarded mightily in the, in the press, in our press. And then what the Mueller report has uncovered is that four hours later, three, four, five hours later, but a few hours later, for the first time, the, uh, the Russian agency, uh, uh, intelligence agency, attempted to hack into the DNC and into Hillary's emails. So what I find curious about what Mueller wrote and his team wrote was that the statute, the criminal conspiracy statute, has to show a link, an absolute link of agreement between both parties, one party and another party having a similar uh, purpose, a a similar result in mind, and they're acting independently, and it benefits each other, that that's not enough for a criminal conspiracy. But 
I just don't understand that because the if the guy says out loud, I hope you can find them, that's an inducement. That's an inducement, them to do something. Why didn't he say if China you can find or if North Korea you can find or if fat guy sitting on the bed that he kept talking about if you can find if 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 uh if he induces specifically the Russians to do something and they do it and they try to do it I don't understand how that's not enough uh Rudy Giuliani in the in his interview yesterday uh, quoted all over every paper today saying that it's not illegal to accept information, uh, opposition research, they call it dirt or whatever, opposition research on your opponent from any quarter. It's it's from Russians. You know, Russians live in America just like whoever else, you know, Cubans. Lots of lots of people live in America, and if somebody has occasion to know of something, an affair, a misdeed, a whatever it is, some compromising information, um, then you know, then you should be able to accept it. Argues Giuliani, but I I think he's doing that crappy lawyerly thing where they take a sentence. And they take a point, and they make a valid point that completely distracts from the actual issue. There was a formal military-grade attack on our system. So for him to say, well, the Russians, you can take stuff from Russians, is obfuscating the point, which is, can you take something from a, a government agency that is illegally hacking DNC server and Podesta and all that? So, and that's that's in plain view. He said, Russia, if you can hear me, I hope you find those emails. And then they tried to hack into it. That's an inducement. That's a direction. He directed a foreign power to do that. That's the way I read it. I could be wrong. I'd like to hear um, my Fox audience, uh, crossover audience, who has put up with what feels like absolute screaming liberal uh, pablum, but I'd love to hear from them. Uh, you can call in. The call-in number is 929 I have zero confidence that I can actually put the call through based on the way I'm running this show right now, but doesn't mean it's not worth a try. I also have this um, chat in front of me. I've said uh, we're live, and I have not a single response. So maybe I'm talking to myself. I don't know. It would be cool if you could see how many listeners are out there. Um there are so let's get back to why I think that um, Congress has no choice but to begin impeachment proceedings. Because by any objective standard, 
the actions that the president took that were laid out in the Mueller report, they were to stop the success of the investigation. And interestingly, the the opponent, the you know the the supporters of Trump, Fox News and Breitbart and all those guys, they want to scream and yell about how ridiculous and unfair and uh, immoral and illegal and corrupt the investigation was that went beyond just investigating the Russian uh, meddling. Anything to do with the president or certainly anything to do with the president outside of that. They just think it's just absolutely wrong. So they think they're totally justified in trying to shut it down. So their concept is aligned um, with the president's determination not to help or to stop the uh, the investigation into himself and his behavior. So you can't have it both ways is the way I look at it. Hey, another caller. What are the odds I'm going to be able to successfully plug in this call? Hold on to your hats and glasses. Oh, it disappeared. All right. Um, Trump lied. There are so many lies, but but one specific, and 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 most of the Trump supporters don't even uh, want to um, try and defend against his lying because his lying is just so pervasive and obvious and in plain sight. And and uh, so the question becomes, where does the emphasis go? Well. Since it's my show, I'm going to put the emphasis on the lie that he told very specifically and repeatedly to his supporters, to his base, to the Make America Great Again rally crowds. And it's when uh, there was accusations of his uh, being, oh, wow, wow, two callers. His accusations of his being a puppet um, and, and, and accusing him of doing business there. And he said several times, I have no business there. And he used the verb tense very clearly. And then at a certain point, he, he had to say it more clearly. And he said, I haven't had and I have no business in Russia. And the fact that getting... Cohen to testify reveals the fact that he uh, was continuing to do uh, attempt to do business in Russia up until late in the election means that he just lied directly to his people right to their face. And nobody wants to focus on that. They don't want to focus on that. But that alone is a reason for him not to want that information to get out. Hold on. Let's try this. All right. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I can hear you now. Can you hear me? I can. Hello? It's a miracle. You're my second successful <laughs> caller. That means it can be done. Uh, all right. What's your name and, uh, and what are you thinking about? Uh, hey, Mr. Asin. My name is Ben Staub. I'm calling from Northern California. Thank you so much for your show. Um, and I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, so I think what you were just mentioning about Mr. Trump um, and the obfuscation and kind of linking that back to what you were saying about Mr. Gugliotti, I think that is paramount. When, when people go out of their way to do something so – specifically like diverting of attention like that's that's a standard fallacy of logic and like rules of an, of, of an argument so that to me that's the that's that's the biggest red flag 
Um, but really what I wanted to ask you about was um, is kind of the bigger uh, conversation of impeachment versus um, obstruction of justice and how that relates to an actual criminal situation. So rather than just being removed from office, actually facing jail time and, and what your thoughts are on those two differences. Well, here's what I understand, and that is um, – this comes from my uh, excessive watching of Rachel Maddow, but, but <laughs> the um, – that there may be a statute of limitations for certain kinds of crimes that were committed. And in particular, if he gets reelected, that if he did commit those crimes, you couldn't even bring an indictment for those crimes when he's out of office, if the statute of limitations had, has, um, has lapsed. So, so that's, that's one, that's one thing, but, but I actually think it's kind of a dual track. And I think Congress and the people who are uh, charged with the responsibility, the oversight and, and would direct the impeachment, proceedings they can't think about that that's not that's not their role and i think what's so hard in the public to to sort of like embrace is the idea that people have lanes to operate in and it's really good for our system um to you know even though it's it feels unjust sometimes and even when it goes against what i want you know it's good for the for different people to have to function in their lane and I, I'm really, I'm really not happy with the DOJ um, uh, directive or whatever it's called, policy guideline rule, whatever it is, saying that a president cannot be tried criminally. Yeah. So there's all this kind of, you know, when I, I've read Barr's, uh, the 15 pager, 20 pager that he wrote, uh, where he, where he was laying out his. Um, What's it called? Unitary executive, you know, perspective about how uh, yeah. you know because the president would be subject to all kinds of uh, manipulation, and you know, if we're in a war posture or mm-hmm. whatever, that you can't have a president being being attacked for little things. So, but mm. but the idea that that you know, I don't understand what's independent. If the guy can't come back and say, independent of that, I would bring criminal charges. What what Mueller seems to have done is to say, I'm going to follow. I'm going to slavishly follow the rules, uh, so that you know, the the attorney general will make my you know report public. I, that's what I think. I think that the reason he did that was in order to try and preserve the legacy of what the work they've done for the last two years. Whereas if he would have said. Right internally to the attorney general like i think we should try him the attorney general could have just said listen this is insubordinate and i'm just gonna put it under lock and key for whatever period of time for sure throw it out and then we wouldn't have gotten all the other indictments that were peripheral to this investigation well you'd you'd find out about it with the kennedy papers and the roswell roswell you know what i mean like um right so i so i think and i and i think he was trusting that you know, Congress is going to do what Congress is going to do, and that and he's done the best he can. It's unbelievable. It's like when you ra- – I've, I've got three daughters, you know, and you raise your kids, and at a certain yeah. point they go forward, and you're like, oh, man, I hope the world doesn't beat them up. And I, that must be what uh, Mueller feels like. I, I've been trying to figure out what these hearings are going to look like. What do you think that's going to look like? Oh, man, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm super curious. I, I honestly have no idea. There seems to be so much um, – uh, Attempt at, 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 you know, again the obfuscation, like like drawing attention to, trying to undermine the state.
standard process of things. So, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it, how it plays out. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm listen, sure. I appreciate your, I appreciate your calling in and, uh, and, you know, stick with the show. I don't know how often I'm going to be doing it, Thank but you. uh, I'll, you'll, you'll see the pulses and stay, stay close. Thank you so much. This is the first I've heard of your show. So I'm really looking forward to following it. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's been a couple of years, so, but it just sits there oh, nice. waiting. <laughs> well, you've got some good material to work with, so go for it. <laughs> it yeah. If you go, if you go to the website, you can actually, I we did two full seasons of the podcast. It was not a podcast. It was actually a radio okay. show. We considered it a radio show. Uh, it, it's Vox, uh, Vox popular radio.com. So I think the second season we're having trouble action activating those archives, but um, but mm. you know that, and you can you can see what we've got going on there. But listen, I appreciate your calling, and we'll uh, we'll we'll keep the conversation going. Cheers! Thanks so much. Take care. All right, all right. I successfully did that. I now know how to take a call. What I don't know how to do is if there's more than one call at the same time, how to switch from one to the other. But we'll just keep trying. So, moving along the lines of uh, getting getting Mueller uh, to testify, you know, it's become now where you know. I, I, I hope I hope that the chairpersons uh, Nadler and Schiff and Cummings will. I don't know who where the discretion is for the amount of time they have. So you know, during the uh, Kavanaugh hearings it seemed like every side got 30 seconds. So nobody could actually make a real point. They just sort of throw some, I mean, it was like two minutes or five minutes or something like that. But I watched those things really closely and I, I was so bummed because it just seemed like nobody had time to really go in anywhere. And then the partisanship is so disgusting that it almost doesn't matter. But what I, here's my hope for the Mueller uh, testimony. He wasn't involved with establishing the independent investigation. You know, that was that was Comey and Rosenstein. So I don't know how much the Republican side of the aisle is going to be able to beat up on him for the illegality of what they perceive as a as a as a criminally corrupt illegality of, of even having even having it um, having an independent counsel independent investigation so I suppose they could you know just picking up on Giuliani's cue I suppose they could go after him for uh, hiring a bunch of uh, so-called Democrats I say so-called because I don't know the one thing that really kind of uh, I find interesting about this whole thing is there's a a great antagonism from the Trump supporters towards law enforcement. And it expands to include anyone who disagrees with them is what I'm seeing. Meaning, you know, we think the FBI is great. It's just the two guys at the top who are making decisions we don't like. And then when they put people on a an invest a panel and said, well, it's the two guys at the top and 13 of the guys who are investigating stuff against us that and they're the ones who are criminal. And I just get the sense that no matter, you know, if anyone's, you know, if the instinct is to uh, investigate uh, Trump and his behavior, 
the attitude is going to be anyone doing that is in the tank of the Democrats and is part of the deep state. And I just, you know, historically, I remember Republicans being, you know, pro-military and pro-police and pro-security and pro-defense. And, you know, I'm all for investigating the investigators if that's what needs to happen. Um, And, you know, this whole idea of the poisonous fruit from the poisonous tree, meaning if the inception of the investigation is uh, sour, then anything it produces is sour. But, I mean, uh, uh, Giuliani is attacking the credibility of a convicted liar, uh, Michael Cohen. But, you know, if you were on a jury and you were listening to that guy talk and you had to decide, you know, whether or not he was telling the truth and you had some corroborating evidence in front of you, uh, you know, text chains or uh, phone records or things that established that you were, in fact, talking to the people you said you were talking to. So it's it, that's not a lie. And you, and you had to decide, you know, you sort of go like, I'm not going to accept one word that guy is saying because he's a liar. Or are you going to say, well, that guy's an absolute liar about that. But the thing he's describing there, meaning, you know, talking to Trump about establishing a beachhead with the Russians and using the publicity from the campaign to make uh, to make building a Russian uh, Trump Tower uh, more appealing to Putin and and whoever else is in charge of that kind of stuff over there, like, boy, you know. Are you being a responsible juror if you throw out everything, or is human behavior a little bit more complex than that? So I can see the Republican uh, side of the aisle attacking Mueller for um, for being biased and having biased people working for him, but. And they'll, they'll pound and scream away. I think everyone should have a whisper level uh, ordinance or like a real quiet level ordinance when they're doing these these uh, hearings. Everybody has to speak in a respectful tone. So even if you're saying, I think you're a lying, corrupt bastard, and you're going to ruin the country, and we're all going to go to hell in a handbasket, and civilization is going to be destroyed. As long as you're saying it in a quiet tone, I don't know. I think that's better somehow. Uh, All right, everybody. So you can still call in 929-477-4102. There's this idea that the president is defending himself. Uh, And when you're attacked, you have every right to defend yourself. And my dad raised me with a very important, with several maxims, several basic ideas. One was two wrongs don't make a right. And uh, I think that obstructing justice is not a permissible form 
of self-defense by a president of the United States. Uh, you know, say Trump misrepresent anything. Say he wasn't worried about Michael Cohen revealing that his business with Russia extended well beyond the amount of time that he lied to his base about. Say that he wasn't worried about, um, uh, you know, and any of the contacts that he knew that his subordinates had with uh, Russia and Ukraine and so forth. Say he wasn't worried about any of that. If he's allowed to railroad an independent investigation, what happens? What kind of precedent does that set? The next time a president comes along who is really corrupt, say a Democratic president who is uh, has all kinds of uh, dastardly malfeasance going on and corruption and so forth, and is more clever than Trump and has greater allies deeper in the system than Trump does. And similarly, uh, thwarts an effort or attempts to thwart an effort into uncovering some of those misdeeds. Can that person claim uh, precedent? Because... Any action against the President of the United States is uh, is unlawful. I mean, that's where dictatorships are born. Trump should have let the chips fall where they may. His paranoia and freak out about it and behavior, trying to get Jeff, Cuse, Jeff Sessions to unrecuse himself by using Lewandowski – I mean, what a ham! I mean, it's Nixonian. I think it's Nixonian. I remember that line in that movie where uh, Paul, what's his name, was playing um, uh, 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 Henry Kissinger. Said uh, to be undone by a third-rate burglar is a fate of biblical proportions. <laughs> You're sort of like, wow, yes, how what couple of knuckleheads can bring down a president? And the idea that he would, you know. Look at the FBI director, whose cheese was already hanging in the wind anyway. And so we're like, hey, can you help my buddy out? Yo, Michael Flynn. Hey, this guy, this guy, he's a good guy. Hey, Lucian. And what if Michael Flynn was doing the right thing? What if he was, if, if talking about sanctions and wanting to relax sanctions and doing all the things that Michael Flynn was trying to do, what if that was the right thing? Can why lie about it? Just a, it's just like a, it's like the Keystone Cops. You know, they, they. So, so there you go. You're not allowed to over defend yourself. You know, there's this thing that's going on in the country right now, and half of the Democrats are stymied by this too. And that's, by the way, a very scientific number. Half. I I did polling on it from my liberal uh, Twitter feed, so you know it's true. But this idea that like, hey, if you're weak, you lose, and we want to win. Winning at all cost is what the new America is all about. And even though those half of the Democrats who are stymied by this know that it's not right. 
they can't figure out how to talk about it. They can't figure out how to sort of so say, well, wait a minute, what you're saying is not right because they've been pinned into a corner by the, if you're not winning, you're losing set. You know, I like to fight against my country and with my country, kind of like family members, domestic family, you know, problems where they're fighting. But as soon as somebody else comes in, another country, an out- person outside the family, all of a sudden I'll defend my family to the death. I think that's that's what my view of patriotism is, uh, American patriotism. Like, I believe in my country, even though my country consistently is on the wrong side of issues. I mean, just like, can we get some stuff right right out of the box? We get a lot right. I shouldn't – I don't want to overstate it. But it's hard to focus and pay attention to all the stuff we do right when the stuff that we do wrong is so bad and so obvious – uh, and so indefensible. Um, but we're living in this world where America first, America has to be right. If America isn't winning, America is losing. And I guess, you know, to a certain standard, I, I would have to agree with that, that my nation and my country is the most important because I'm living here and it's our way of life. I don't know, maybe. No, I think that's right. You know, but is the life of one American citizen worth more than the life of a Ugandan citizen or a Slovakian citizen? You know, it's weird. I don't know how I don't know how presidents choose choose these things. But from a humanist perspective, even a religious perspective, I think the answer is supposed to be no. That all human life is sacred and valuable and valid. Worthy of protection. So we look at um, the comments about from from uh, conservatives saying and from the president saying that Democrats are uh, they, they want uh, no borders from a borderless society. We want we you know they, no borders. And I can't remember exactly the epithet or the slight that they use, but basically they're saying uh, Democrats don't want borders. Well, I think if we're holding ourselves accountable, we Democrats, we have to acknowledge that if we aren't for a borderless society, that there's going to be conflict. People are going to be arrested. People are going to be turned around. I think, you know, even even if we don't, cut our funding and our our um, aid to El Salvador and Guatemala and Honduras or whatever the three Central American countries were that we were giving money to and that we we're now no longer giving money to. You know, even if we're even if even if we're doing everything we can to help the human rights situation south of the border, there's still gonna be arrests being made. So I think as Democrats we have to be able to say loud and clear these kind of arrests are okay. This kind of detainment is okay. We will tolerate this kind of detainment. And if we can't, then I think the attack against us that we're for borderless, you know, free borders or whatever, I think then that's a fair, um, that's a fair attack. 
you know, uh, I'm a humanist and I'm a liberal and I'm a Democrat, but I, I think borders are important. I think city states are here for a while longer on planet Earth. I don't think the globalist, you know, globalist. That's another one. Oh, I see a caller. Thank goodness. Take, get me out of my morass here. Hold on. Hello, caller. Hey, Sean, it's Ariel again. Hey. hey. It's Ariel. Um, I just want to let you know the live chat on the site, I've tried refreshing and popping it out in its own window and everything. I just can't get it to work. And you had some concerns earlier that it, that nobody was talking, and I think that's why. Yeah, I can't get it to – I can't type. Do you see Do you see my thing on there? I do. do you, you see my head? head? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can't type back? No, and I try to pop it out in a little box, and it, it gives me, like, I know where I'm supposed to be clicking to type. It gives me that little, you know, that little typey icon, but every time I try to do it, nothing happens. Okay. I'm looking here to see if I'm supposed to do something. Uh, I have no idea. I don't either. Well, all right. I appreciate that. I was feeling sad and lonely, but... <laughs> no, no, you, you shouldn't. Time. It does... It says that there's 10 viewers, so, I mean, we're here. We just – I don't think anybody can talk because there's All also right. a well, comment I will, uh, I'll from – I'll continue to investigate that while we, um, while, we, uh, while, I, while we continue the conversation here. Do you have any thought about this last little – I was wondering, my whole thing about the humanism and, and borderless you know, world and everything else was this idea of winning at all costs and that the – people who are so upset at the idea of an impeachment proceeding are, are more interested in winning than they are the process. And to me, I'm always about process. I feel like if we, and if it's not right, if the process isn't right, then there's a process to fix the process. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, that's what I'm about. So, um, I I don't, I don't see quite the tangent. Um, I guess I don't know. I I get more wrapped up in people being on sides and people being, you know, 100% one way or the other when nobody really should be. Um you should really only be 100% about your I don't know. Your your core beliefs, your morals. How your much faith, should we need religion. to know? How much should we need to know before we sign a petition? I mean, I signed a petition for impeachment after he went on the Lester Holt show and said that he fired him because of Russia. I, I helped draft a petition for impeachment and I signed it. But I, you know, what, but, you know that's totally know a that. valid point. That's totally a valid point. Like, where do you draw the line in the sand that says this is unacceptable versus we should stand by our, our politicians and our representatives? And, you know, I mean, I didn't vote for him. I don't really like him as a person. He's still the president and he still deserves respect just for that. Um, but you can't just be blindly followed that, because that just, that allows for all of the collusion, his new favorite word. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know where that line is drawn, but I'm really glad that we're having the conversation and I hope that um, having conversations like these are able to inspire other people to have more um, openness and more, Ability to see all sides of the story. So I really thank you for it, and I still cannot type in this box. I'm going to refresh again. <laughs> all right. Well, I uh, I appreciate you trying to get in there. Um, okay. Thanks, Ariel. Keep trying. Yep. Have a good one. Okay. Bye for now. All right. So that's a really good point. I mean, you know, 
I think I know enough to be dangerous. I think a lot of my friends know enough to be dangerous. And what's scary is some people are really paying close attention to this, and they really seem to understand a lot. But I wonder if, you know, I wonder from, from citizen to citizen how much we should, how much skepticism we should take based on uh, uh, what some, somebody that we, you know, respect says. Um, you know, it's really hard if you don't vote for somebody and they get a, a congressional rep and then the other other side gets elected and they go up to Congress and you have to watch them, you know, do what they think is right with an impeachment proceeding when you believe the exact opposite. It's excruciating. It's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to be a, it's hard to live in a democracy. Um, yeah. I don't know why this little thing isn't reaching. Oh, is that Ariel again? Hold on. Let me see. Hello, hello. Hi, Sean. It's Linda. Hey, Linda. You know, you know which Linda, right? Linda Iris. Of course. Iris. There's only, there's only okay. one. But uh, do you, can you figure <laughs> out this text thing? I think that the problem is that people need to be logged in. And to log in, you have to create an account, create a blog, and all that sort of stuff. And I don't think most people are willing to do, to do that. So that's why the chat's not Gross. working. So maybe yeah. I should um, maybe I should be following along. I should encourage people to be tweeting, and I could be following along a Twitter thread. I think that would work better. I think that would work better. All right. Well, let me try. Let me and, start here. Okay. So okay. raise your and, box. For, for those of you, hang on one second, Linda. So for those of you that are still listening, all ten of you, if there are still ten, um, for those of you who are still listening, raise your vox. By the way, vox popular means voice of the people. So raise your vox, raise your voice, raise your hashtag, raise your vox. If you have any questions or comments, go ahead and put them on there, and I will, um, I'll trail along. I've got, I'll, I'll follow along here, and we can, uh, we can communicate that way. I think, because, I think if they just as, tweet it, I think it'd be easier, Sean, if they just tweet it at your account rather than having to remember to do a hashtag. Just to so tweet, tweet it host to the host vox populi. Yeah, I think that'd be easier then. All right. Uh, show uh, show advisor Linda Iroff has suggested that we go <laughs> to um, so uh, Molly Mack I can hear you but I can't make the chat work oh there it is um, Linda that's helpful do you have a thought on this um, my, my wanderings here about impeachment and well, the nature of winning in America yeah I think I think that that's a real issue and that we we're increasingly dividing ourselves um, the Democrats do not want open borders, and the GOP in general does not want to put kids in cages. But we stand there and shout those two talking points at each other instead of but trying to figure out. I never hear our side talk about what a cl- closed border looks like. I never right. hear our – I always What's, think that the solution is say, you know, answer the, answer the charge. What, what is it? What is the solution? Where would you be satisfied with a, with the border being closed, and what that and what that looks like. Hey, Ariel's on. Right. Oh, did she create a thing? Oh, there she is. Good job. Maybe she did. <laughs> she did. She created a thing. Okay. Uh, so, what what is a what is a fair closed border look like to you? I have no idea. Um, I don't live near the border. That's a good it's answer. Not something 
something that I that I have to deal with. I certainly think what's been going on for the last couple of years is not acceptable. Um, there have to be better solutions. There have to be humane solutions. Yes, we can't just let people cross the border willy-nilly. Um, but on the other hand, there's international law and U.S. law that says we need to um, accept people, people who want to seek asylum, not just say, no, you can't have it go back to whatever misery you were facing before. Well, what about Trump's point that anybody can be instructed before they come across to say the three magical words and they now are given a glide path into a legal proceeding that the system isn't prepared to handle and, you know, you know, he's got a point. <laughs> then, then let's spend the money I remember making the, the system able to handle it. Called, I remember in the late 80s seeing a movie called El Norte. Uh, and it was it was this really you know dark story about these people trying to trying to make it across the border and you know when somebody gets across the border and they're working as a maid for somebody and how the 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 you know nice middle class family has no idea what is going on in that person's mind or their home or their you know how they've been separated from people or how they can't get back to mm-hmm. them and just really you know like sensitized me to that um, that struggle. And then there was, um, right. I remember seeing plays where the de- there were depictions of these holding uh, fenced-in pens where human beings were, were you know, the, that had been captured along the border were, you know, were being detained for, you know, w- without any real structure. So it, was, it had to be, if not against the Geneva Convention, like right up close to it. Yeah. So, we live, we live in a world where uh, there's 8 billion people on the planet. And for any number of reasons, you know, global, you know, climate change, weather patterns, um, you know, war, strife, famine, whatever, for any number of reasons, you know, people are, are migrating in extraordinary numbers. Mm-hmm. And the odds of people migrating north from the south or coming to the Americas and trying to get into the United States of America through the Southern border. I, I, I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think he's wrong. I don't think Trump's wrong. And I, and I don't think I, and even though the numbers are going down and that the, and they're totally misrepresented by Fox and by, by Trump, I don't, I think it is a humanitarian crisis on the border. You know, everybody sort of looks at it. He's a moron. Sorry, pardon my friend. The president <laughs> of the United States has an unsophisticated uh, way of communicating about how to stop drug trafficking and human trafficking by talking about a, a fence. But the the truth is, there those that issue exists. So you know, it is a humanitarian it, crisis. We have a lot of humanitarian crises going on around the world, and right now our country is not dealing with them as humanitarian crises, but rather just trying to pin blame on people who don't look the way they want them to look. And that's a real well, I problem. I think if we citizens are relentless in how we steer conversations that we're in or how we comment on news feeds, I mean, I think news, CNN and MSNBC and Fox, the, the good citizens of the world should be flooding their comments after every show, complimenting them for stuff that seems like it's in the public interest and excoriating them for uh, bad journalism and, and, you know, un, you know, un, un, unsupported bias and, 
you know, like we, we don't have to feel like we're just victims of it. Have you seen what Will Wheaton is doing? No, I don't. I haven't. Uh, no, I don't. Will Wheaton currently. has a drop dead date where he claims he's going to turn off his Twitter. He's going to delete his account. Yeah. And he has millions, if, if millions of people. And, well, his attitude is, well, he's on so many other platforms, but his attitude is he was an early adopter of Twitter, and he mm-hmm. presents that Twitter has become um, a, a provocateur cool. of negative, yeah. you know, fake, destructive, mean, dangerous activity. That's his contention, and he's going to, he's trying to get a lot of people to go. He's not wrong. Turn it off. <laughs> No, I know, I know. See, so that's why I have this private chat. Only Ariel's the only one who's on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, do you have a final thought? Linda, I appreciate the technical advice. Do you have any other um, – and, and by the way, the advice was to uh, – if you're following me at host Vox Populi, tag me if you have any questions. I'm actually looking at my mentions now, and I'm happy to um, – uh, Molly Maka says, I agree with Linda's thoughts on the borders. I don't know how to fix it, but we have to make it more humane. See? I, I think I get so excited when smart people say they're not sure how to fix it. I think that's the first step of figuring out how to fix it. Because everybody exactly. You, have to, to you have to know what you don't know. You have to know what you don't know, and so many people think that they know everything. And you have to be willing to change your mind, too. We're not always right at, at first blush. Have you changed your mind about anything regarding Trump that you can think of offhand? Um... Anybody's listening to this, go on to Twitter no. at Hostbox Populi <laughs> and let me know if you've changed your mind with regard to anything with, with, with Trump. Uh, not, not in a good direction. You mean it's only gotten worse? To my yeah. mind, yes, it's only um, gotten worse. I don't know if I've uh, – I think I've had moments of understanding of where he's connecting with people, like on the border issue. I think that he's way more right on the border issue than any of our side wants to give him credit for. And I think that um, there's a, and it's a similar thing with the, with the impeachment concept where politics, the political calculation is driving decision-making and behavior. And I'm very ambivalent about impeachment because I don't know where we'll end up, whether we'll end up in a better position or not. 26 minutes to go on uh, – I'm calling this season two because it's – I'm calling it season two for the blog talk radio. Maybe I should call it season three. I don't know what I should call it. But, uh, call it I'm season saying three. It right now, 20, season three? All right, I'll go back. This, I'll have to rename this one if I can. Um, or it'll be a one-episode blog talk radio season. It doesn't matter. I just found <laughs> myself – I'm traveling. I'm watching all this news, and I just like – you know, I, I haven't. I'll try and actually have more like little commercial breaks and things in there with better music. And I don't know if you saw the images, but for anybody looking at this, I just went through. I figured out how to do a photo album, and I went through my photos and just picked a random like forty or fifty pictures <laughs> that I thought might be mildly entertaining, and I put it up there. I, so, I did notice know, that one. Like, I did notice that one. One was upside down, Sean. Oh, there are several of them. I couldn't figure out how to fix it. I was I was prioritizing. I was <laughs> I was triaging my my blog talk radio technical <laughs> robust technical. But um, but anyhow, I I think that um, 
I think that I've had moments of realization. You know, when he says he's going to um, stop, when he's going to when he's going to hurt NATO, you know, when he's going to cut funding to NATO because NATO uh, folks aren't spending what they're supposed what they've agreed to. And when he says we're not getting any real results from Central America, he's going to pull their funding. I know why. I know why people find that appealing. I know why people find that appealing. Hold on. Hello. Yeah, just give me about another half hour and then come on up. All right, thanks, my friend. Uh, okay, sorry. Um, cool microphone earpiece thing that was supposed to work, and I didn't have the right. Ad- I got an adapter, but I think it's best. <laughs> but anyhow, um, what I was what was I talking about? I was in the I was talking. Oh, NATO, and and I think I understand why people in the middle of the country, and maybe the same the middle of the country, where certain people of a certain disposition agree with what he's doing because what he's saying is human nature is they're not going to fix it unless they're going to lose it. So look how much better and look at the fact that NATO countries are satisfying their obligations more or getting closer to their obligations after Trump recklessly threatened to disband the most successful alliance ever. So what I think you know, well, Sean, I know, back. I know you have seen, I know you have seen the movie Harrison Bergeron and the president's actions in that. I know you've seen it. Yeah, that's remember Lee, that's um, yeah, it's Le, uh, Lee, Lee, uh, what's his name, Levy, Levy, Eugene Levy, Eugene Levy, right? Eugene Levy's like, right. ah, just bomb the s out of him, and yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. But but here's here's the point for my Democrats, my partisan side of things, I don't think we, you know, that 30 million whatever base of his, if we don't acknowledge what's valid in what he's saying, because then if we can't see what's true in what he's saying, then how can we be trusted on anything else? So there probably is a way to get the NATO countries to satisfy their obligations without scaring the whole world. So we should say that. <laughs> and there's probably a way to support Central American countries, you know, without, without terrifying them. I don't know. I don't know. They're, you know, it's hard. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard. But when it comes to impeachment, I don't think they're going to have any choice. I think when it's so clear uh, <laughs> that, that obstruction has taken place, I think they – I think it would be um, uh, dereliction of duty. I think it would be they'd be failing to live up to their oath. I don't think it's a. I think of any political consideration. I mean, you can sort of say like, listen, healthcare. You if you win the presidency, you can probably protect Obamacare uh, if you're a Democrat. You know, if you win the presidency, you can probably you know you can stop uh, these these family separations. You know, if you there's a whole bunch of things that if you have the presidency, you can do. So is it worth not impeaching? in order to get those other things? And I think the answer is no. I think you have, and people, what if it doesn't go? What if you, what if, what's a failed impeachment? A failed impeachment is a signal to history that people were following the rules to the best of their ability. And Republicans are going to have to live with that decision. And if they're right, they can live happy. 
But I think that they are on the wrong side of history based on what I'm reading from the Mueller report and what sort of, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know I, I appreciate I think, that, you're I actually, think, that you're actually reading it. Most people are not and are, are just taking the word of whichever news source they, they favor, which says what they want to believe anyway. Well, I tell you, it's not um, – it's, it's easy reading. It's easy reading compared to the Ken Starr report, which I read cover to cover when, when that came out. And that was – I mean, it had two, two paragraphs of salacious entertainment and then hundreds of pages of mind-numbing legalese. And I don't know if you saw uh, Ken Starr, but Ken Starr uh, was on the news earlier today saying that, uh, that it would be a mistake – that he thought – the the, the 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 Democrats roiling about this was a good thing for Democrats, a good thing for the country, but ultimately they should not uh, impeach. Hmm. So, so the hypocrite tango, uh, right? Music right. turns louder with that guy because because um, what Clinton did was far worse, right? Um. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he kept he kept emphasizing. Uh, that he obstructed justice, and he, uh, you know, I, I thought lying under oath was what he was impeached for, but he said it five times in his interviews. Now I got to go back and reread that stupid thing. Was Clinton actually impeached for obstructing justice? It's not what I thought, but what do I know? I thought he was impeached for lying under oath about about whether or not he Monica, quote had sex, sexual relations. Right, which everybody gets wrong on that too, because. What he was saying, what Clinton was saying, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Ms. Lewinsky. He was, he was referring to a very specific legal definition right. that had been agreed to in the deposition. And it was a, uh, you know, an impossible to uh, understand definition of what sexual relations was. The, the, and, the, uh, whole, the, whole thing that, the whole thing that amazes me is that, yes, Clinton was impeached, and that was the issue at hand. That was the ultimate issue at hand, whether or not he had sex with an intern. Whereas the issues that we're talking about now are so vastly different and greater and of greater concern to our country and to our democracy, and we're, we're agonizing over it. Yeah. You know, the... Uh... The, the letter of the law should set people free, you know, but I, I feel like – I don't think people understand why obstructing justice is bad. I think it's been so muddled in the political conversation. I'm not sure that if you ask the average guy on the street, like, why is it bad to obstruct justice? <laughs> you know, I think you'd get it if you said the cop was chasing that guy and I tackled the cop. And the guy with the gun got away. You go, well, you're obstructing, you know, you're impeding a law enforcement officer. You're obstructing justice from happening, you know. Yeah. So that, it's, that, it's the equivalent of that. And the, and the, the yeah. So anyhow, Linda, thanks for your technical advice. Thanks for your perspective. I really appreciate it. I now have a couple of okay, comments John. to read out loud. So I'll go to that. Bye for now. Okay. Bye. Okay. So uh, Project 3410, I don't know what that means. Um, that is so true. It's big and it takes time if you have a life, but it's more important that we know what the report says than what's going on with the Kardashians or on the way. I just watched the first 
10 minutes of the Kardashians that I've ever watched ever. I'd never watched that, but I was just like, I was so sick of the, like the mind numbing news for a minute. And, uh, and I thought, man, I want to fly in a private jet, uh, or on the voice. Hey, don't disparage the voice. I like the voice or to watch those increasingly smaller talking heads on cable news. When you say smaller heads, you mean they're hiring people who aren't as tall, uh, telling us and yelling each other about it. You know, the thing that's important to remember about the talking heads is it's so cheap to produce. You know, the cable news station, their revenue has gone down a little bit uh, from the, the, the halcyon days, uh, but it takes a lot more to actually produce, you know, news where you're, you know, anyhow, we shouldn't let them educate us on the cheap. Uh, Cindy, hi, Cindy Levin, long time no see. Uh, she uh, texted me at host Vox Populi and also Razor Vox. Thank you. Uh, as someone from Minnesota, I grew up thinking that our borders were very porous because you could just walk, you could just swim across. Yes, you had to show some kind of docks, but it was very fluid for anyone who wanted to shop, go to camp, or anything. I guess I was pretty naive hanging out with Canadians. Well, population has changed in that time. You know, population has changed. Uh, go ahead, anyone who's still listening, and send me a text uh, um, at. Uh, Post Vox Populi, uh, the boxes that they appear in get smaller because they keep cramming more people on their show. That's true. That's true. Uh, uh, and I, I think they should forego the introductions and just have really large chirons when the people are on there because you could get a lot more points in if you didn't spend that two minutes introducing all 50 of those people. Ariel says, I did a report about how uh, people actually own all of the major news, news outlets, private shows like this one. It's one of the few ways to get bounced. You know, I want to get back to making money on this show. We never actually really did that. But we did have coffee mugs. Uh, I don't know where those coffee mugs were, but if anyone has a beat on those, uh, text me about it because I want to find a way to offer those. I thought about opening up something, but money is money. And, uh, and I, you know what? You can do With more money, you can do a bigger show. That's what I always say, and sometimes I raise it, and sometimes it's true, and sometimes it's not. But um, we have a few minutes left. Let me read. Um, let me read this article out loud here. Um, do, 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 do. There it is. It was on page six of the LA Times, um, and it uh, it has to do. Hold on, it's it's loading here. Two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Uh, Democrats see grounds for impeachment by Laura King, Washington. Several leading Democrat lawmakers said Sunday that impeachment of President Trump must at least be considered on the basis of behavior detailed in the Mueller report released last week. While the president's allies aggressively pressed their uh, contention that Trump was exonerated. Yes. Rudolph Giuliani, yes. Representative Adam Schiff, who I adore, uh, has been one of Trump's Fiercest, and when and when and when Trump was talking about Adam's neck, did any of you pick up on that? He was coming. He was trying to come up uh, shifty shift. So I wasn't sure if that was anti-Semitic. Adam shifting Jewish, but uh, but he started talking about this thin pencil neck, and yeah, I thought. Uh, I had very bad feelings about the president when he said that. Um, 
Another influential Democrat, uh, Gerald Nadler, said plenty of evidence of obstruction, if proven, would be impeachable. That's, so this is what we're talking about. Um, I don't understand why he didn't charge Don Jr. and others in that infamous meeting with the criminal, with criminal conspiracy, he said. They entered into a meeting of the minds to attend a meeting to get stolen material on Hillary. They went to the meeting. That's conspiracy right there. Yeah, I haven't gotten that far. I haven't gotten that far. Um, not liking someone isn't a good enough reason to impeach them. And I don't like President Trump. I don't like him because I he's not nice. Uh, he's uh, I think he mistreats people horribly. Uh, and I think we're in an authoritarian, autocratic uh, space now. I don't think it's looming. I think we're in it. Um, usually in a body with several hundred people like how the House or with, you know, 50 senators, uh, when the kinds of things that have been happening to Trump come out, usually there's a variety of opinions and thoughts. Uh, and somehow... That's all been muted. Um, are is there such unity, and is that unity born of, uh, you know, conscience-based thinking, or are people scared of the tweet man, and scared of each other, and scared of the base? Kind of seems like people are running scared, because if you're bold enough to run for public office, you're an opinionated person. I don't understand how all these people are just quiet. And that's one of the reasons I think impeachment is important, because I think it could actually give – Mitch McConnell couldn't stop the hearing that would have to happen in the Senate uh, procedurally if the House returned uh, an impeachment. He would have to put it to the floor. And if it got to the floor – Anything can happen. Uh, Mitch McConnell could have political cover from the president because it wasn't his. There was no way for him to stop it, and I'm sure he'd try to do things to befuddle it and frustrate it, and they'd do everything they can. But if they really look at the merits of it and they think of it, and they exercise their constitutional responsibility and are faithful to their oath of office, maybe, maybe the country would get a good outcome, whether to remove or not to remove. But we know in our guts when we feel something's wrong and something's right and why people are doing what they're doing. Um, fear is a good way to control what people are thinking. We don't make good decisions when we're stressed and scared. Project 3410 says that. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, fear, you know, it's better to be feared than loved. That was, uh, what's his name? Uh, Italian guy. Uh, Machiavelli, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I filled up almost 90 minutes, everybody. I appreciate the few phone calls. I appreciate the few uh, people who've been weighing in. Um, oh, Conway also sought to cast doubt on key information in the redacted report based on the former White House lawyer, Don McGahn. Boy, is that interesting. The Don McGahn piece is really interesting. Um. He's trying to. He's fighting for his life right now. That guy. 
Um, those include vivid recounting investigators. Brother Connery said she did not believe McGahn would have stayed on the job 18 months longer if the president had behaved in the manner described. Well, that's interesting. Kellyanne Conway is saying that this attorney who testified to having thwarted an obstruction of justice effort on the part of the president stated his job. And what is the, uh, what's the moral conflict there? I know a lot of people think that they can do more good by being involved and stopping things than not. Like maybe McGahn felt like if he stayed there, he could stop other efforts to uh, obstruct justice. And that was his duty. Or maybe he just liked having a White House pass. I don't know. Um, but it's a rare point that Kelly and Conway makes. It seems valid to me in terms of me thinking about it. Um, we're going to get into morality, Giuliani added rhetorically. That isn't what prosecutors look at. So proud he must be. His mom must be so proud of him. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Maybe I'm done for now. I'll go back and take one last look at the Twitter feed. Oh, hey, there are the mugs. No, I'm sorry. Wait, are those the ones? Yeah, those are the mugs. I'll figure out how to get those. Linda is a repository of information um, and, and guidance. Okay. One of the mugs. All right, everyone. I guess that's all I'm going to say for now. I want to thank you all few of you. I'm going to do the metrics. And any of you coming late and re-listening to this um, for tuning in, I'm going to attempt to uh, maybe do a few more of these. Uh, this um, impeachment watch is really interesting to me. And I'll try and pull some more slugs, you know, uh, uh, things to talk about and maybe give a little bit more advance notice and basically be more artful as a blog talk radio host. And that's it. That's all for now. We'll uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Well, let's see if this happens. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is um. Thirty seconds to Mars. Fox Popular.